0: testing testing i can't hear you hmm.
1: i think it's me sorry <laughs> um my bad i i had the wrong uh i didn't have it the my the headphones set up you able to hear me now yep yeah uh-huh. okay cool oh that was awesome i've been recording this whole time because i'm an idiot okay <laughs> you should have permission to, to record turn it now. There we go. All right, hacking the Gibson. Oh my God, it's been a year. <laughs> <laughs> Starting in five, four, three, two. Uh, the accounting subdirector of the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. So, Ymir. Huh? Yeah. Do you realize? that we've recorded a year's worth of episodes at this point
2: uh man that makes me feel there's a long of time
1: yeah well you and i know because we had started uh in kind of the middle of COVID that uh we stacked up a little bit of a, of a backlog because of my procrastination in publishing and a little bit of uh of availability with our editor uh so we're still quite a bit ahead right, right yeah. at least we've been doing this for a year so uh celebration woo-hoo. woohoo! but i figured we'd talk over what we did and and uh and how that year went a little bit for whatever audience we may have at any point
2: yeah yeah exactly this will be fun because i can barely remember what i had for breakfast
1: as turned out because we're so far ahead I, I do the uh the stuff in blocks and i and i was i was like 20 episodes behind in in packaging the raw stuff up for the editor and getting it all set in the production tracker so okay. i just realized that we were at 52 right when i was when, right when i said hey we should do an episode a year and wrap up episode uh-huh. uh so at the very least i have all of the episodes that we've recorded listed out and their titles and everything in our production tracker oh nice nice yeah so we did a bunch of the episodes that i definitely wanted to do mm-hmm. early on about all the fundamentals right right yeah DNS and HTTP and email uh, and Wi-Fi. We did uh, Wi-Fi Mm Wi-Fi in season three and uh, a couple episodes on one on internet scanning, one on um and one on the internet structure itself.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember the scanning one.
1: I actually re-listened to this one not too long ago, uh, just to kind of see where how we had progressed, how we changed. But um, I did listen to Mimi Cats, which was in season one, one of the first, one of the early episodes in season one. And uh, man, did we go over a lot of the fundamentals of at least the networking part of how Active Directory, SMB file shares, Server Message Block file shares work. Right, right, yeah. We also did. We did a couple of tools and techniques. I actually thought we were going to do more of this this uh, over the years. Uh, Mimi Cats was one, mm-hmm. and we did a bunch of stuff on logging. You did that episode on logging. Right, right. And then like kind of the scanning episode, but we didn't talk as much about the actual tools in use on on either the red or blue team side as yeah. i thought we were gonna end up doing
2: i actually i i given this some thought just recently i tried to use uh ubuntu has a tool called landscape mm-hmm. kind of like the satellite version for ubuntu mm-hmm. or canonical rather and um i'd been using it kind of didn't like it and started looking into other tools to use um the one i'm playing around with right now is called aptly and mm-hmm. like once i get stuff kind of done and working, like I'd like to do one on that. Um, Waza is another tool. Um, I think we talked about that offline.
1: Yeah, we talked about that offline.
2: Yeah, it's just an open source seam.
1: Well, it's an open source seam, and it has a, an endpoint detection response client, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. Uh, that's kind yeah. of how I I got to it because I've been doing some work on that in my professional life. Right. And I haven't had a chance to put that in a testbed at work or anything. And it, And it's like, I'm... Interested in getting my head deeper into that and understanding because we've mentioned several times. Yeah, if you want to be a good consumer of a new tech that you don't know, do the open source version. Maybe it's good enough, but at the very least, you'll be a much better consumer when you're actual when it comes to actually spending money.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, um, in looking into was uh um, was that comes as part of security onion now. Um, okay, cool. And as it happens, one of my missions needs um basically a lot of the future security I need provides. So mm-hmm. I started looking into that and doing the evaluation that I've run into snags um, only because my laptop did not have virtualization uh, set up mm-hmm. in the BIOS correctly and blue screened my laptop like three times mm-hmm. while I was trying to build a, a VM. So uh, waiting, waiting on the fix for that. However, like that, that's another thing that I've always wanted to kind of get into and never really played around with too much, so.
1: Yeah, well, you've used a lot of the tools in Security Onion, and so mm-hmm. have I, but it's a lot of places that I've been, have been like, yeah, we could have built all this stuff ourselves. We just throw the Security Onion out on on there, and we don't worry about maintaining all the little bits about how the sensors work. Yeah, 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 exactly. And out of the box. It makes it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Right, right out, straight out of the box. And, and it being good straight out of the box is nice if you want to do it on your home network. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. You know management always pushes for support um contracts because you know they want they want the support. I and I'm sure you've run into this, I've never really found good support um that gets to me, gets back to me within a time frame where I haven't already solved the issue and moved on for three weeks. And then when they send me an update to the ticket, I oh yeah, that's right. This, there was a thing like four months ago. <laughs> what the hell's going on?
1: There was a product that in an update they did. A very like you could totally see it happen the date time function that they were doing they were getting it they were ingesting epoch and Mm -hmm. whatever their update did stopped processing it in seconds and started processing it in milliseconds
3: oh okay
1: so everything looked like it happened in 1970 (laughs) when it did the date conversion within the application it took me Over a month, I think closer to two months, to get them to fix that when they acknowledged that it was a bug, and I figured out exactly what that it was—the milliseconds to seconds time thing. I reported it and figured it out with with the help of of one of the other engineers that I was working with, and it still took them over a month to fix it. (sighs) Wow, that's that's like, and they acknowledged that it was their—it existed and it was their bug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm with you when somebody says it's a commercial project. Like, yeah, but if it's open source. Chances are good that I can fix it. And in fact, well, yeah. maybe not so much, but I will tell you that we had, we were using some stuff with uh, with Bro when it was Bro. And one of the plugins we were trying to use, I think it was the SMB UR, SMTP URL one. And the, one of the guys on my team talked to the maintainer and we got feature changes done oh, yeah. in a week <laughs> to the <Yeah>. source code. <laughs> so a- like, well, I mean, we're obviously cherry picking examples, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to argue that having that support is 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 always worth it.
2: Like like half the thing, like Red Hat support, for example, um, mm-hmm. their KB database is very fast and very helpful. If you have a specific issue that falls in those KBS, and I have had a few times, and like been able to log in, read the KB, figure out my issue, move on. Any I've needed an actual ticketing support. It, that's a whole other
1: story my, my i guess my last story is uh I, when i worked at the certificate authority we had we had a policy that essentially if a vendor didn't sign off on a thing that we were going to do we didn't do it or we waited until they they gave us a solution oh, really? um yeah um mm. that was the technical manager was very much about that and i do understand him trying to play very safe in a certificate authority environment but the problem right, that we right. were having was We were using a commercial product to manage DNS load balancing, including DNSSEC. Okay. And it was supposed to manage all of the DNSSEC key information between the load balanced sites. And they got out of sync. And, you know, things happen. Right. They didn't have a procedure for getting them back in sync. I actually worked out a procedure in the lab on how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I beat them. Fine. I'm pretty good at what I do. But it still took a, almost a month for them to sign off on my procedure.
2: Oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> I, I do enjoy it. I've had that one time where auditors came to us with scripts um, to run onto our systems uh, to get like results and f- forward back to them. Their scripts did not work at all. And I spent a week rewriting their scripts for them. And <laughs> then when the audit was done, they asked if they could have copies of the scripts that I rewrote for them so they could distribute them.
1: Well, at least, at least they're making an effort to improve. Mm. (laughs) Even if they should have done it themselves, at least they recognize that there was value there and tried to incorporate it. It could have been worse. (laughs) If they had said, no, 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 we're going to make everybody go through the same pain you did. That had been worse.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: There's a little bit of schadenfreude laughing that I want to do to people, but like, let's not slam people (laughs) trying to improve, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, like sure, whatever. Like, I should charge you like a a contracting fee for doing this, but you know, whatever. Yeah,
1: well, that, that's yeah. Uh, I guess I guess we'll go to the next subject on on this, but like the number of times where it's like, I'm paying you to beta your software and give you feature improvements, and sometimes fix your issues.
2: Yeah. Why?
1: Why is that's, this a thing?
2: <laughs> that that's fun.
1: Well, I mean, everybody does it at this point. It. Back in the day, and sometimes today, you'll get a, a discount for being a very early adopter. But I see it almost never anymore because it's like, no, this is just the way you do it.
2: Yeah, it's I'm getting like PTSD from like agile uh, managers that love agile and don't and use it in this way. Of agile, just means we can release a lucky product and fix it in post. Yeah.
1: Well, also, it's very easy in an agile world to not do spend any cycles on design because it's yes, not yeah. in any of the Agile books. It's not that the f- folks that figured out Agile figured that the style isn't important. It's that they had assumed that it was already done because it came yeah. from a war for a world where like design is that whole first chunk of the project. And there's worlds filled with good engineers that do a lot of important things as brainstem functions. But not everybody is there. Not everybody has that level of maturity and has has, has seen like all of the pitfalls at that point. And the number of systems that I've seen where it's just like, yeah, this works for how you originally conceived it, but you didn't look ahead on the road and you designed yourself into a corner.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So we have, a, we have an area called the toolbox, which are some of the tool stuff. Uh, you actually did a number of these, exception driver error on car hacking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I had the one on satellites, on satellite hacking.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny. I I was on Reddit on the electric vehicles uh, subreddit. I think like a week ago or something, and uh, there was mention of like some car hack or something. Like people were freaking out about it, and I made a post that was just like, like yeah, like you can hack cars. It's very difficult still, and like you're basically writing custom malware for a very specific car for a very f- specific version of the firmware running on their infotainment. Mm-hmm. And all this other stuff. <laughs> it was, it was, I don't know. It was, it was interesting to see the reactions from some people because you can tell they get their their news of car hacking and stuff like that from watching like TV shows, and they're like, "No, no, no!" Like it's super easy nowadays, and it's like, "No, it's, it's not." No. And like, I hate to be that guy, but like, I've I've researched this, and like,
1: yeah, well,
2: it's rather difficult.
1: I love to be that guy. <laughs> we be doing this stuff, um, <laughs> maybe too much, and I do try and regulate, but but I, I do, <laughs> but actually.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah so actually and and um and, and and the the king of all toolbox stuff, barnaby jack, you did his you did his uh his episode,
2: yeah, 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 that was really cool to look into that
1: so one of the things that that has definitely been for me in a lot of these resources is how many names you see in multiple episodes, like somehow tangentially attached,
2: yeah, did we um, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Kevin mitnick, social engineering
1: yeah so, to social engineering yeah yeah yeah, yeah he, he, he had a talk
2: he had a talk i'll have to go back and try to find um he did a talk on just like basic social engineering stuff that he did and gave an example of like him going into a business um mm-hmm. basically getting into the like the hvac system like just kind of strolling back there and just pretending that he was supposed to be there um and then like taking pictures of him like right next to the ventilation input and stuff like that but that, that might be a cool episode to do like just pure social engineering
1: Yeah. uh, Well, also for for physical pen stuff, um, Deviant Olam has done just a ton of good presentations on 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 various physical penetration things. I mean, there's a fair number of people in in the uh, in the community, but Deviant's just done a ton of presentations on this stuff. And yeah. yeah, so it's great stuff. Talks about HVAC stuff. He talks about elevator hacking. There, in fact, oh that, that's cool. Yeah, no, he's done a lot of really cool stuff. If we do it, it's just going to be here's a summary of a bunch of stuff that you can go watch Deviant talk about.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, do, do you remember the one that we went to at uh, Tufcon, uh this past year? The security system. I'm kind of drawing a blank, but I, I just remember at one point where he pointed out the fact that the junction box for the security system had been put outside the door.
1: It wasn't in the ATM one, was it?
2: Was it the ATM one? I can't remember. I can remember like the hall we were sitting in and everything else. But.
1: There was a really great presentation on DEF CON a few years ago on the security slash insecurity of the Knox boxes, which are used by emergency responders to get, into it, to get into buildings. And they're like mandated by code. Oh, really? Yeah, really, really cool stuff. But the, essentially the sneak preview is not a lot of municipalities do a great job of uh, rekeying them from the default. <laughs> yeah, I but, mean uh, you know, a lot of stuff. Yeah, but physical security—the physical security thing—is like it's kind of amazing of even stuff today. And like, there's an old school one, you know, the push button locks, the big aluminum housing, and and the oh, yeah. and the five buttons. Well, yep. for decades, it had a vulnerability where if you put a strong magnet on one side, it would trip it open. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Um, what I heard is that this was actually known in Brooklyn, New York, because there were a set of, of less observant Jewish guys that, that did like tech support odd jobs for all of the very observant Jewish folks, Okay, because they would do it on the Sabbath. And they knew this trick because there was this, there was some rabbinical rationalization where you could use that lock on the Sabbath, where you couldn't use the lock, you couldn't use a regular key lock. Oh, and geez. so they were very common. And if somebody had a key problem, these guys who knew that all they needed was like a neodymium mag- magnet and and put it on the side. Nice.
2: I, I found the uh, the presentation uh, DEFCON twenty nine. Bill graden defeating physical intrusion detection
3: alarm wires.
1: Oh yeah, I totally like. I totally blanked on that one. Mm-hmm. It didn't stick with me like a lot of the other talks, but I remember the con. I remember him going through a lot of good content on it. And then the other thing that i actually you ended up doing i think more of than me was um or episodes on groups you did lol no i guess maybe we're, we're even you did anonymous and lol mm-hmm. and then i did the cult of the dead cow
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and apt one right right yep i always had the idea when we were start when we we're starting this that we'd end up doing a number of these kind of APT retrospectives, and we didn't get to a single other one of them <laughs> in the first year.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we did that one all the way in season one, episode eight. <laughs> oh
3: wow. That's a long
1: time ago. So we did a bunch of events. Um, a lot of ra- a lot of stuff's on specific. We did uh r- ransomware generally, and then we did a couple of specific ransomware events. Our Evil and you did the one on Colonial Pipeline.
3: Yep, yep. And yep.
1: And I know that we reported this elsewhere, but I think it had happened after, or it, this had happened before we published the episode, but well after we recorded it, because we mm-hmm. you, you, you wanted to record it like very shortly after that the Department of Justice managed to seize back most of the ransom because of bad crypto wallet security. <laughs> well, maybe not bad crypto wallet security. I didn't get, I, I couldn't find whether how they were seized, they seized the wallet, but they may very well have gotten the person that had credential information for it oh okay Hmm. i don't know Uh, i wasn't able to find confirmation either way but they were able to claw a lot of that uh cryptocurrency back (laughs) and then all the spy stuff i actually was kind of surprised at how many how many um how many of the cold war spy stuff uh, spy uh, episodes that we had in the first year now that i started counting them up
2: yeah i kind of went off on a huge tangent with the spy stuff (laughs) because like i don't know that this stuff really interests me One, learning like the old school stuff um, that happened. But even like the episode on the CIA.
1: The CIA grab bag?
2: Yeah, yeah. The CIA grab bag one, the one where, you know, from World War II on, they were um, basically wiretapping like different components of um, the stuff they were sending across the the world. And
1: then there was a crypto AG, which when we Mm -hmm. started this, wasn't even in the news. And and it's like, here's a whole history thing that is like right up your alley from the Washington Post. I was like. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that stuff is—I don't know—it's just fascinating.
1: Yeah, I—we well, talked about doing those from the very beginning because of how important it was, and then the crypto wars episodes, which I think we still have two more to do at this point. Um, mm-hmm. The one we already have in the can. Which is the Crypto Wars, the Phantom Menace, and I'm not going to spoil that at all because it's going <laughs> to probably come out next week. Um, and then the one after that, which I'm still writing, which is which is going to be about kind of the current state of the government and what they want and current and what we know we, they currently have in the way of of surveillance stuff, and not just the U.S. government. Um, mm-hmm. We did talk a little bit about the um, we did the NSO, the, uh, say it ain't NSO, um, and tools like that are prevalent in a lot of regimes that want to that want to know things that they probably shouldn't Um, yeah yeah exactly but that whole market for those things and a lot of other tools is part of this whole like the government really is really interested in what you have to say but not in a good way
2: (laughs) no no, in in that creepy stalker way
1: yeah well i think there's a lot to be said one thing that i that i've been having a really hard time with in the research is figure is coming up with good stats of how useful it is in the world of in in actual law enforcement, Mm. whether the the tools that they have, especially for doing surveillance warrantlessly or with with very with a very low uh overhead of of um of justification actually matter very much for in in terms of real law enforcement. I'm finding study on that is actually quite difficult or at least has been for me. Oh yeah. Like, sure, if it works, maybe there's a real argument to be had there. Like, what's the real trade-off? But right, right. if you don't have the data, you can't ask that question.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is very true.
1: That's kind of spy stuff. Mm. <laughs> um, so I talked about the Colonial Pipeline. And the other revisit I wanted to do a little bit, because it came up in both the Bitcoin episode and all of the ransomware, or many of the ransomware stuff was all like payments via cryptocurrency. But we sit here basically at the end of June in 2022, having seen a significant cryptocurrency crash and some of the lower mid coins going belly up entirely.
3: Mm, Yeah.
1: And how does that impact the market for cryptocurrency? And I haven't been able to find any reporting or research on that at this moment. I mean, we're only basically a month out from, from it happening. so. Like I'm sorry, I'm not doing original research on this. I apologize to our listening public that thinks that that I'm that all of this stuff is is uh, original reporting <laughs> from us because it totally isn't. No, I always wanted to do history as like telling the story of things that uh, uh, the historical uh, thing from from reporting that's been done rather mm-hmm. than necessarily being a news organization because yeah, we're yeah. two guys. <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, but uh, if we start seeing. Ransomware, stop using cryptocurrency, then we know cryptocurrency is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're not willing to rely on it, then ain't nobody going to be willing to rely on it. They're going to yep. be the canary in the coal mine.
2: Yeah. yeah, That would be very interesting to kind of keep an eye on and see.
1: Uh, so making the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's it been for you? I mean, I know we do an episode. We each are responsible for an episode to be about every two weeks.
2: I think when we when we first started, I was kind of like, mm, like this this will be interesting, you yeah. <laughs> know. Like every, everyone and their mother has a podcast, and I was like, like it'd be kind of cool. I didn't realize like how much fun I would have, kind of sitting down and doing a lot of this research, um, especially like all the old school stuff and the spy stuff. And I'm not even like a huge like World War II buff or like history buff, but I um, don't like that stuff very fascinating to me. And on top of that, just Doing some of the research and just like learning little extra bits about things like i just did an episode on torrents and like learned a bunch of like new stuff i didn't really know about the clients because you know i got into it years ago and it was just like download run it download my file and like i'm done it did not realize all the indexing and everything they had there so that's cool and it's been like the the ones that you do like listening to uh like the research you've done or your knowledge of. Um, a lot of the, the inside tech stuff. And like the Cats episode was really fun because I really played around with cats too much.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so like that or Cobalt Strike and other things, like there are always tools that I wanted to play with, but I don't work on a red team. And yeah, it would be very frowned upon if I was trying to run those in my environment <laughs> um, to see what happened. So
1: I mean, I always thought that I was pretty interested in Cold War Spy stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I'm like, wait, I only know a little bit about some of these episodes and nothing about some of the others and it's just like as much time as i spent reading about uh, about the stuff in usually like popular level books not necessarily even like historical textbooks and stuff it's just like wow how how deep does it go when i thought i i was reasonably knowledgeable coming coming into this and yeah, yeah. Like, wow i like, didn't know anything about that or <laughs> uh gun, like gunman i think might have been a passing reference that just didn't stick with me. I didn't realize mm-hmm. how the story itself is great. And especially being in the InfoSec world, it's like, why is this not a thing that I already ran into and already got the whole story on in it? Cause it was completely out of left field.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting one. I was like, did they make a movie about this like in the eighties? Like did I miss something?
1: <laughs> right. And just like you, even the stuff that I think I know pretty well, like, Oh, I'm going to do the episode on HTTP. I'm going to like go all the way down in this, and Mm -hmm, obviously, I don't have the exact historical stuff in my head, but so there are some good tidbits there that like that the first web server that got any real use and the first web browser that got any real use all came from like the same school and the same campus.
3: Mm -hmm, Right. Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, and honestly, I hadn't retained that there had been a major rewrite of PHP. i'm not a php developer and it's like no no it like matters a lot the difference between five and seven like huge yeah yeah it just didn't stick with me because there's just so much to know so it's been it's been it's been really interesting doing a lot of these things there's so many of these i think i've probably said it a million times on on the podcast it's like you go to a talk or you have a bunch of articles on a thing and it happens and you're like oh that's cool I'll, i'll go i'll get to it later and then something else comes up and you totally forget about it and this is the the first time i've really spent a lot of effort in going back and looking at these things
3: right yeah yeah yeah
1: so here's the question do you think we have another year worth of episodes that we can dig up
2: i think so just based on like some of the crypto stuff you know the cia has always been doing weird and funky things i'm sure there's at least like you know 4 months worth of episodes still like out there
1: of all kind of the the vague areas that I wanted to get into, I feel like we got maybe through a third of what I thought we would in the first year. So I don't think, you know, we're going to have any problem.
2: Yeah. 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 And then on top of that, like the tools and like, we even talked about just in this recap, uh, like a few ideas of um, like things we're working on or like different projects and stuff.
1: So were there any major insights that you got that changed your thinking or or, um, added to your thinking about, like in the infosec tech world, and as a whole, from the year of doing this,
2: at least for me, and I've, I've kind of always noticed this in the back of my head a little bit, is that like infosec covers a huge range of topics and mm-hmm. um, knowledge, and like you can't even really feasibly be a jack of all trades because there's so many trades, but let alone like uh, a subject matter expert on like a bunch of this stuff. You know, it, it's a, it's a thing that I always tried to teach my students when I was teaching was that like don't be afraid that you don't know things yeah and also like don't pretend that you know everything because like you know like everyone knows you don't because yeah. that, that would literally be impossible unless you're like uh the mind i was
1: gonna say mudge but even he doesn't know everything
2: oh yeah, yeah. i mean, i was thinking <laughs> the uh, the super villain from uh, superman uh brainiac um, oh brilliant. yeah <laughs> that's that's how our, both our minds work because i go <laughs> i go immediately to comics but yeah 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 just like you know, there's so much to to learn in this field. And that's more or less what kind of brought me into the field and kept, or keeps me going is that like, there's always something new and I love that. Yeah. You know, I can always kind of like challenge myself. There's like, if you want to accomplish one task, there's like literally a hundred different ways of doing that task. And, you know, kind of like weighing each one against each other for a minute, which is the best one. Even going down the path of building out a tool and then realizing yeah. four months later, well, yeah. shit, this wasn't the right one.
1: But you don't want to get into analysis paralysis. I think the thing about <clears> the <throat> yeah, that yeah. that I've really learned from from the hacker world in general is, no, no, just go ahead and do it. If you change boats, like, don't get to struggle with the sunk cost fallacy that you already started in this direction. But your failures are not failures. They're a set of they're a set of learning to make you make better decisions about the next thing that you do.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's like if you, if you go down one path and you spend four months like building a logging tool and then realize this other logging tool is much better. You can transfer all that analysis to the new one and like, you know, build the new one probably quicker and just have a better understanding of how things work in the back end.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely been the story of me transitioning from traditional database, uh, relational database-driven SIMs to Splunk. Right, right. right. Is all the stuff that I had learned about parsing and what the logs actually did transfer just one for one. Uh, There's a lot of stuff I did have to learn, but there was just, a ton of that knowledge set that transferred straight over and was, uh, and was great to have.
3: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: One of the reasons why I wanted to do all those fundamental episodes, even if uh, they might have been boring for, for, for some folks, is mm-hmm. not knowing is fine. New stuff happens in the cloud world, in the infosec world all the time. Yeah, yeah. But having understanding the fundamentals and being able to fit them into the picture that you have is the important thing. I've always said, I'm fine teaching anybody anything because my competitive advantage is that I learn faster. Mm -hmm. And that comes from a good solid base of knowledge to be able to hook things in. It's like, oh, you're doing Splunk or Elasticsearch. This is a document database. Well, I understand relational databases, and I just need to kind of take that and say, okay, what's the difference? What are they doing differently? How are they storing records? And how is that different?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I already understand the principles of data storage and retrieval in a database system. Um, And then a lot of cloud stuff is just reinventing the internet wheel in a lot of ways and sometimes not always doing it well.
3: Yeah, yeah, very true.
1: But my big insight was, and this was, again, something was already in the back of my head, was that the internet happened the way that we have it. And there's a ton of good that's come out of it. That there are three pillars, and they're not Ionic, Doric, and Corinthian, I see you in the notes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're the government, industry, and the community. And I include a lot of academic stuff in the community because a lot of academic stuff was critical early on, and it's still important. But we needed all three of those in order to have the internet that we have today. And it's yeah, yeah. really hard to say get the government entirely out of it because the government has been really important to a lot of foundational stuff, but a lot of things that keep things running that's going on behind the scenes that you're not seeing. And industry has moved a lot of things forward when we might've rather seen open standards, but the fact that there was that profit motive and they were able to put engineering resources on it and really make it happen. And sometimes really importantly, there's been several networking things that have been important to making sure the internet continues to scale the way that it does, that basically Cisco or Cisco and Juniper or a small number of companies kind of agreed on and put in their products. If it hadn't been for like that that critical mass of support, some things wouldn't have happened.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah, 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 like money drives everything.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I think as much as I think V6 is really important, I think the fact that that couldn't happen really, that they couldn't get that critical mass of support straight out the gate with it, has really slowed adoption. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody missed the episode on the internet, at the end of that episode, I really talk about v6. Mm -hmm. Or at least the top line stuff that you need to know about v6 and why it's important. Because I know that I have this argument with with folks that I work with more (laughs) often than I'd like to. Right. Man, I really wish some of the cloud providers had gone harder into v6. Um, I mm-hmm. forget if I made this point or not, but Amazon has this really interesting video or interesting if you're, you know, a down to the packet kind of networking nerd <laughs> video called Life of a Billion Packets. And I think they have a sequel to it, Life of, of More of More Billions of Packets or something like that. And they do this whole abstraction layer in their software-defined networking where they have to essentially add another address to an IP address so that it oh, really? can go from site to site. Oh, okay because what is essentially their layer two doesn't uh, span site to site. So they, in order to send stuff from one site to the other, they have to add extra addressing parameters. And I believe that you could leverage V6, some some of the things in V6, in order to do all of that, the encapsulation is kind of native to V6 and you wouldn't have had to add your layers of abstraction. You could have kind of collapsed your layer two and a half entirely yeah, yeah, yeah. into in, into v6 and it's not just that one of the big problems in the cloud world is that it just can use a ton of address space really fast right yeah before when it's a scarce resource it's a problem in v6 you allocate a slash 64 and that's the size of the current internet times the size of the current internet and that's the smallest that's the smallest prefix you're supposed to allocate
3: yeah 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 exactly <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, so and I'm I'm going to get off my V6 soapbox. I'm not as bad as some, but I'm bad enough. So, uh, you have anything that you really want to cover in that in, in in the next year?
2: I think a good chunk of what I'll cover are like some of the new tools that I'm I'm using or like kind of learning for uh, different missions and whatnot. And I'll probably kind of get more in depth into like corporate security and kind of um, playing that tug of war. With um, getting security at the start of like system development life cycles, integrating security more, especially when it comes to aerospace stuff. Yeah, because coincidentally, my doctorate is on that, and I'll be like <laughs> ramping that up in the next year. So we'll probably have more topics based on the research I'm doing for my degree.
1: And it's like the best research episodes we've ever done. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So the thing that I really want to cover in the next year, because it's become it's really emerging right now, is the Supply chain programming problems that are coming into all into the new world of application development, um, mm, okay. subverted Python and npm libraries. The fact that we're at the point where a lot of these applications are are not necessarily like open source tarballs, but like are repositories, and right. developing your own repository. There's lots of tools out there that will look make sure that you're not storing credentials into in your repos, which happens. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, yeah, that like
2: happens that. way too often,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, so storing credentials in your repos, but also, like, what are your library dependencies and are those problematic?
3: Right. Like, are, yeah, do,
1: they allow, do they allow somebody to inject things? And did your dependencies change significantly? Because one of the things that we saw pretty recently over the last month was a couple of uh, libraries got hijacked because the original maintainer let their domain expire
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. and the hacker registered the domain mm-hmm. and then changed the projects because they were now they were able to do password recovery trivially because they own the domain
3: yeah yeah exactly yeah
1: i'm excited to talk about that because i i'm starting to work out how we're on the enterprise level deal with that with those mm-hmm. controls and so i'm really doing so so i'm researching this but i think that it's uh it's a major new delivery world for for bad stuff because yeah 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 it's like magic automatic drive-bys and getting a foothold into a network are all possible through this
3: right exactly yeah
1: so uh here's to another year of uh of hacking the gibson
3: hell yeah recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online follow hack the gibbs one on twitter to get notified of new recordings support the continued observation of hacking the gibson on patreon